Welcome back to the Hindsight Podcast. My name is John, a.k.a. the Average Snail Racing Fan. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our live coverage of this year's annual Spring Classic, the 102nd Running of the Snail. And what a beautiful day for the sport of kings, of which I am a huge fan. Seriously, I'm just a fan. I was on my way to my seat, the door was open. Hey, what are you doing? No. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. You just got a little SpongeBob. It's, it's, it's the show that never stops giving in, in like the memes aspect of it like i'm pretty sure at this point almost almost like every episode of spongebob if not already has been memed at least one scene from like every episode like the classic show like before like they change the animation style like that's more specifically what i mean like the newer stuff i think they ended it now uh but like the, but the newer run that they had well the new animation style the new storylines and stuff uh, less so in terms of uh, meme material. I mean, it has, like, meme material, but like, not the same type of meme material. It's, like, meme material because, like, it's just freaking whack. Like, <laughs> they, they just made it so whack. Like, the new animation style was just so weird. And they freaking ruined the SpongeBob legacy by doing the Patrick Star show. Uh, I think it started a couple months ago. Two months ago, three months ago? I don't know. I don't keep track of that type of stuff. But, yeah, they ruined the legacy because the creator of SpongeBob... I completely forgot his name right now. God, I feel like a bad person. <laughs> uh, but he died not too long ago. But his like whole thing was that he never wanted there to be a SpongeBob spinoff. Like he just wanted to be like the SpongeBob, like SpongeBob SquarePants. That's the show. And when the show is done, the show is done. There is no spinoffs. Like that's it. But he died. So now that he's gone. Nickelodeon just desecrate his final wishes <laughs> in typical corporation fashion you know just disrespect the, the, the wishes of the creator of one of the longest if not the longest running show on Nickelodeon but hey you know corporate stuff money that's all it is just money uh, so yeah they did that I haven't even seen it like I said I don't watch TV <laughs> uh that might be an interesting thing to do. Like, if I could find it somewhere to stream legally, of course. Definitely legally. Uh, <laughs> might give it a watch. Might do it for a first impression. Just watch and just absolutely rip on it. Because, like, my thing is, like, first off, they already kind of ran out of stuff to do with SpongeBob. Which means, like, this this could it could be good because they ran out of stuff to do with SpongeBob. Now that they're moving it, the focus, to a different character. But, like... Patrick, I mean, he's a multidimensional character, but, like, still, there's only so many dimensions that he has. And I'm pretty sure, like, all of them have been explored in SpongeBob SquarePants. So there's not really much that he could do, right? Like, I don't know what you really do for his show to make it, like, you know, like, like you would have to try really hard to make it different. And when you can try really hard to make something like that, that that's supposed to be a creative thing, uh, it, it ruins it. Right, because creativity is kind of a free-flowing ideal, right? If you have to try hard to make it, like a like a creative pre a creative project, right? If you have to try, if you have to force it, then it's not as good as if it just came naturally, right? And so, like, I feel like you'd have to really try hard to make the Patrick Star show different than SpongeBob SquarePants, and then it just makes it just kind of ruins it, right? I don't know. We'll see if I can find a stream for it. Maybe we'll give it a watch. I forgot the other thing I said. I might watch. This Friday, I know I have Assassination Nation on the list. I think that's going to be the one I do this Friday. But like, I forgot. I know I mentioned something else. 
a couple episodes ago. I don't remember what it was. If I see it, it'll pop up. <laughs> it, it, it'll pop up, I guess. Actually, there is one thing that I do want to watch. Because of a trailer that I saw recently. But it's a trailer for the prequel for this, which was Army of the Dead, which came out good this summer, earlier this summer, I think. Uh, the Zack Snyder movie on Netflix, the zombie movie. Uh, I heard it was pretty decent. It was pretty, it had like mixed reviews. I don't know. I didn't really watch like any review videos. Just saw like a while with the movie had like the the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. It got like mixed reviews, or whatever. That's that's how you know it's good. If it gets mixed reviews, that's probably quality. <laughs> uh, especially with Snyder. Uh, but the new prequel, or he's making a prequel. There's a prequel coming out uh, called Army of Thieves which is supposed to take place right before Army of the Dead. So, like, part of me was like, okay, I want to watch Army of the Dead now, because the trailer for Army of Thieves is really great. But I'm like, or I could wait till Army of Thieves comes out and just watch it chronologically, you know? Because, like, that, that'll make... Then it, it, like, makes sense. It'll flow right. It'll feel right, right? And then, like, it, it'll... It'll it'll add tension to Army of Thieves, right? Because then... Because, like, the thing about... I don't like about prequels is the fact that in a sense you already know what happens right like the, the, the tension isn't as much so there as if it was released chronologically because for example if you know who's in like the squad in the second movie then you know who's gonna live or die in the first movie you know what i mean like, if there's someone in that's in the group in the first movie that's not there in the second one, and you already know that because you've already seen the second one, then, like, you know, like, there, something's going to happen to him, right? And then if the character is there in the second one, then you know nothing's going to happen to him. So it kind of just, like, you know, rose attention a little bit if you do it that way. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we'll wait. I don't even remember when it comes out. I have to find out when it comes out. Because de- depending on when it comes out, we'll determine if I'm going to wait because I'm impatient sometimes. <laughs> but it's is Thursday, September 30th. It is the last day of September. Hopefully, we have an absolutely amazing day, as always. Uh, my day's been going pretty swell. It's been like a productive day. A productive day of being unproductive. <laughs> I got some stuff done. I got the important stuff done, which is replacing my tag. That's what I definitely need to do, because it expired tomorrow, <laughs> the last day of September. So I had to do that. Uh, but then, like, there was some work that I kind of needed to get done that I just didn't want to do. Because it's due later. I'm not worried about it. Which is probably a problem. <laughs> it, it might lead to a stressful weekend. Uh, but hey, it's the first Sunday of the month. So it's a say the podcast. Address the Sunday. So I will have my Saturday to, you know, kind of buckle down on some schoolwork. Uh, also, I got the Coles job. So that's coming up too, I guess. I mean, I, that was to be expected, honestly. <laughs> Like, because, like, when places are, like, hiring like that, like, 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 everywhere is freaking hiring, right? So, like, the chances of them rejecting you are pretty slim. Let's say you really, really screw up the interview or something like that. And, like, I have pretty good form when it comes to interviews. I'm, like, what, like, 6-0 and oh. <laughs> or something like that. 6-0, and 7-0 oh, and oh for interviews. I don't know. I'm pretty good at these at this point. Like, to the point where, like, I've done quite a bit of these in, like, a fair amount of time, the last five years, got my first job, what, 2016, 2015, I don't remember, something around there, I think 20, I don't know, <laughs> I think it was 2016, 
maybe, I don't remember, either late 2015 or early 2016, my first job, uh, but yeah, like, I, I've done my fair share of interviews, so like, I'm pretty good at them, so it's like, I mean, one, I don't really get nervous for interviews, just because, I mean, nervous for the unprepared, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, it's, you've done this a thousand times, like, no need to get nervous, also, it's like, you can easily predict how the conversation's gonna go, because, like, you can predict what the first couple things are gonna say, are say is first clues we're gonna say are yeah are uh, <laughs> uh and then like from there you can determine your responses right and if you know what you're gonna say to those things then you know what they're gonna say after that because like they respond to your responses so like essentially you're in control of the conversation without even like being in control of the conversation that makes sense because you're just leading it exactly where you wanted to go and so like, i knew exactly how this one was gonna go and it was funny because like <laughs> Before the interview, like, I was driving to a, I was driving to a parking lot that I could just, like, do the interview. It was a phone interview uh, before I started driving for the day. And, like, I was driving up. I was like, you know, maybe I should think about this. <laughs> because, you know, like, like I said, like, nerves are for the unprepared. So you don't even think about it. That'll kind of make you unprepared. So, you know, that leads to nerves. Uh, I, was like, I was like, let me think about this. How is this going to go? Like, how can I make this just go, like, simple and easy? And so, like, I knew how they're going to open up is like the simple like telling about yourself right and so like know what i would say for that and i knew that if i just end saying that i go to ggc then the interview the interviewer will say oh that's very convenient because ggc is right next to the coals like literally right next to it and they would say oh that's pretty convenient since we're right there and then i would say yep that's why i chose this one and then they would ask about my school schedule, which would then lead to me giving my schedule, which would then lead to them planning my actual schedule, my availability. Like, I had it. I was like, this is exactly how it's going to go. And lo and behold, almost word for word verbatim, <laughs> that's how it went down. <laughs> and it, it was kind of crazy that, like, it went down exactly, exactly how I thought it would go. Like, it just it, it just works. It just works. It happens. Uh, so, so that went well, that's, uh, that's in the bag. Uh, and also you get paid every week here. So <laughs> sounds like it might be a good gig. Uh, especially the scheduling, you know, kind of works out in my favor. Cause if it's like schedule where I could just like, I just start right after I, you know, wrap up my classes in the morning, it would be so perfect because like I said, they're right next to each other. Right. So like just finish up classes, do a 45 second drive up the street to the coals, then boom, go to work, then boom, go home, it'll be great, hopefully, <laughs> we'll see, uh, we'll see, just gotta like, hold it down for, what is this, five, six months, that's not how math works, eight months, that's a long time, <laughs> up until next summer, as long as I get an internship for the next summer, uh, that's how long I gotta hold this down for. So, hey, it'll it's gonna be better than Amazon, and definitely better than Dunkin'. And better, this this should hope actually technically be better than anything that I've done. Everything else I've done is in the food industry. Although probably not as good as the marketing jobs. Marketing was fun. That was a really fun job. Also, that was the only interview that was like slightly different than like all the other ones. All the other ones are generally the same because they're kind of in the same industry, like retail and customer service. Uh, the marketing one was a little bit different. But I still kind of nailed that. I couldn't predict where that one was going to go. But, like, it was it was a pretty easy one. Because, like, all you really have to do... I mean, in, technically in any interview, uh, at least my approach, is just, like, get the interviewer, like, 
comfortable, I guess. I mean, like, they should be comfortable, right? But, like, more so, especially because now, like, I've done and, in, like, interviewed people uh, for positions. It's like, I mean, you're meeting them for the first time and they're meeting you for the first time, right? So, although, like, they're supposed to give off this air of comfortability, right, and confidence being the one doing the interview, it's still two people meeting for the first time, right? So, there's that, that, that level of awkwardness, I guess you can say, just, like, trying to warm up to each other, I guess. And it's, like, my approach has always just been, like, get them comfortable. If I come in comfortable and get them comfortable and you just do that with a little, little bit of chit-chat, a little bit of small talk, you know, boom, you got them. It's, it's that easy. Everything else no longer matters at that point. Like, you've already got the job. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's boom, bada-bing, bada-bop. Give them a little chit-chat. Don't even got to be true. Just give them any chit-chat. <laughs> and then the simple conversation uh, function that I always talk about of like, then you pick one thing out of something that they say and respond and then respond to that or ask about that or comment on that. And then like that leads to conversation and then you're good. <laughs> that's interview 101. That's basic interview 101. Like more complex interviews like going into corporate positions. I, I have no experience with that. <laughs> but like basic interview one-on-one. There you go. Just go in, chit-chat with them, get a little small talk, break the ice. Boom. You're good. That's how I got the Duncan one. <laughs> That's why I got paid so much at Duncan at first. Like I, I was chatting her up so much. She was a nice lady too. Uh, like I was chatting her up like crazy before we even got to like the actual like interview questions at all. Like I was chatting her up. And uh, I don't, know, I don't even remember. She asked me like one or two questions after that. We talked for a good minute just about other stuff. And then, yeah, <laughs> got the job. And they were paying me way too much money, I'll be honest, which is why I cut my pay. And they cut my pay way too freaking much, though. So that's whatever. They start robbing me money. But as besides the points in the past, if I had like not transferred, my voice kind of cracked there. But, like if I had not transferred uh, locations originally from where I was trained to where I ended up working, my pay probably would have stayed the same because like it was two different people in charge of like the regions. I mean, there's one guy who owns all of them, but then there's split into half with like the regional people. Uh, I forgot what their title was like assistant regional manager. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) Uh, But like the lady I interviewed with handled most of like out East uh, kind of deeper into the countryside. And then where I ended up working was like out in hillbilly country. So, <laughs> but yeah, then I ended up working with a different, the other guy was in charge. So it's like, and they're the ones who cut my pay. He's the one to cut my pay. Cause like, they're like, oh yeah, we can't afford it. Cause we don't make as much money as the other ones. It's like, bro, shut up. <laughs> shut up, bro. Whatever. It's it's whatever. All right. Let's hop into this episode. So, Today we're talking about something that kind of in like the same vein as uh, the China deep dive from last Sunday. Like it's something that's like happening internationally. It's kind of a big deal, somewhat of a big deal, but like it just doesn't get talked about. Actually, this one it doesn't get talked about like at all. Uh, well, maybe maybe in some circles it's talked about, but you, you definitely don't see it you see it on the news. Uh, I mean, at least not in America. You don't see it on the news. That's because like. The American news is just filled up with 
you know, talking about people quitting their jobs because they don't want to get vaccinated. Which, to be fair, I mean, that is technically still news. It's just kind of like, <laughs> it's just like disappointing that that is news, right? It's disappointing that, it is, that, that that is the case, that like, it's become such a big deal, that this is actually news. Like, that's just, uh, it's so, it's like kind of frustrating, just like the fact that this is still, like, that's just whatever. That's not the point we're talking about today, okay? <laughs> what we're talking about, actually, is the conflict, or I guess brewing conflict, uh, that is going on in the Arctic region of the globe. Uh, so kind of talking about, like, you know, what's going on there and why, I guess, things are going on there or why those things are happening there. Uh, and by the Arctic region, I'm not talking about the, the South Pole. I'm talking North Pole. Uh, so, like, backstory, especially for like, the Arctic region, Right, both sides, North and South Pole, just Arctic in general, it kind of had the same status as the Moon, right? So it's like this is supposed to be a place that'll be neutrally shared amongst all countries of the world for the sake of science, right? But there's no there's no country that owns Antarctica, there's no country that owns the Moon, and there's no country supposedly that's supposed to own the North Pole, right? But the difference between the Arctic and the moon is that, like, the Arctic is significantly easier to get to, right? Like, it's it's right here. Like, it's, it's on Earth, right? The, the moon, not so much. It, it takes a lot of work and effort and science and money to get there. But the Arctic, you could pull up whenever you want, essentially, right? And since, like the dawn of the idea of colonization, right? If there's a place that has a piece of land that has been unclaimed by a major power, especially if that piece of land can be used to gain, like, uh, a significant advantage over any of the other world superpowers, then someone's going to try and take it, right? That That's, like, ingrained in the human psyche at this point, or at least, like, in the human superpower country psyche right you take what's unclaimed until every part of the earth has been claimed essentially right so the question may be like why would anyone want to take over a large barren sheet of ice right i mean the north pole is the, the equivalent to antarctica just north well semi-equivalent there's some scientific differences but that's besides the point it's but it's it's a huge sheet of ice or at this point, it's becoming several sheets of ice as they begin to melt and break apart. <laughs> but it, that's essentially what it is. It, it seems pretty pointless to want to do anything up there. Uh, but the thing is, especially when it comes to the North Pole, any country that owns that region, right, or has a military presence in that region, has a large advantage over essentially all the other countries in the world right? because it's a, it's a very strategic position because it's literally at the top of the globe right so it would put the controlling country in the general range of almost every other country in the northern hemisphere almost equidistantly right so medium range missiles assuming that's your weapon of choice it would be an immediate concern 
to essentially every other country in the Northern Hemisphere. So if, let's say, the country that wants to hop up there is uh, an aggressive country that doesn't like anybody, well, now they have easy access to blow up whoever they want, right? So then it's it's almost, almost certain that the other countries, you know, they would move to remove, <laughs> move to remove. <laughs> but, you know, they, they would try to remove the occupying country from that region, right? I mean, of course, this makes sense to be the only logical next step because they would be doing it for like, the safety of their own country, right? But also, you know, that region is, is a very, very important pathway when it comes to shipping, uh, and this is something I kind of mentioned in Sunday's episode uh, when I referenced the Panama Canal. So controlling the Panama Canal is huge because if you aren't allowed to cross through there, you would have to go all the way around South America in order to get the, to the Pacific instead of just crossing over, I think it's 32 miles, 32 miles or maybe it's eight miles. I don't know. <laughs> eight mile. God, I'm so distracted. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Now the Arctic, kind of has the same value, right? As it's, it's a very strategic pathway uh, for shipping because as the world is a globe, the higher you go or the further north or south you go away from the equator, the less distance you have to travel to circumnavigate the world, right? The the radius gets, or not the radius, technically that'd be the surface, not the surface area either, diameter? This is why I failed geometry. <laughs> but you, you, the, the way the, the the way around is shorter, right? And so the northern hemisphere up north, as you get close to the Arctic, that pathway in between Greenland coming towards uh, the east coast of America and then going f- further out uh, into Europe, into Asia, into Russia, it's very very important. Over seventy percent, I do believe, of the world's trade goes through. I think it's by value. I did research on this a couple months ago. <laughs> I did a lot of research on this. I got really curious on it. Um, but the reason why I'm talking about it now is something else. Something just recently happened. Uh, so I'm trying to remember my facts exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I do believe it's 70% of the world's trade by value goes through there. Uh, and then, yeah, it was 80% of the world's trade by volume goes through there, through that little uh, passageway through the north, right? So essentially, this is the backbone of international trade, right? And the only reason why this is this is allowed, this is this can be the case, is because of the international maritime agreements, right? So if, if at any point a country takes over the Arctic, that once free and open waterway would now be under the jurisdiction of that occupying country, right? So then that country could impose taxes, tariffs, whatever they want on ships traveling to that area. Or even completely close off the channel and just like block ships from countries that they don't approve of from traveling through there. Right? And this is kind of exactly what happened with the Panama Canal. Where it's like, if you were in control of this, I can block you from coming through if I don't mess with your country. Uh, I can tax you for coming through. I can put tariffs on what you're doing for coming through. I can log everything you're shipping through here, right? Because you're coming through an area that I own. So it causes for a lot of, I guess, say security concerns. Uh, if, if you have if you have that 
going on. But then specifically in this area where with so much of the world's uh, goods coming through there, those taxes and tariffs would then be imposed on the consumer, on the buyer, because that would then increase the base price of the things being shipped because someone has to cover those costs and those costs are covered by us, the consumer, right? So not only would you possibly have, I mean, one delays from having to deal with uh, passing through someone else's jurisdiction Two, now you have increased prices on goods to compensate for the tariffs, right? So like th- this, this whole thing with shipping in general is a very fragile system, right? I mean, if you look back to when the, uh, what ship was that? The Evergreen was blocking the Suez Canal. Like it, it tanked the world economy for a few days, like just one boat, right? One boat blocking one canal tanked the world economy, right? It's so like in terms of the Arctic, the entire system is held up by no one country taking control of the region. And it's not because no country can't take control, but it's because they know that the fallout from that action would impact the entire world on many different fronts. And one of those fronts, I guess you could say, that... How do I say this? (laughs) One front that occupying that region would have on the rest of the world besides affecting trade would be the environmental impact, right? Like like I kind of jokingly referenced that, you know, it's a bunch of pieces of sheets of ice because it's breaking apart. Well, assuming if people start showing up there and they occupy the area, it would practically just could possibly practically destroy that entire ecosystem because uh, now you're introducing a direct source of greenhouse gases, right? And human influence and impact in the region. And the Arctic, both sides of it, the North and South Pole, it's huge when it comes to the overall environment globally, right? So anything that even slightly affects this region would have an extreme impact globally on the environmental side of this, right? And this is an issue that's already become like a talking point like today, right? Because when countries started putting scientists in those regions, right? In the in Antarctica, in the Arctic, this already started becoming a problem because, I mean, when, when they were only a few countries there, a few couple of scientists there, wasn't a big deal, right? They weren't they weren't doing that. Much. There was there weren't there wasn't enough of them in terms of density to actually make that much of a difference, right? But then, as more and more scientists get stationed there over the years, that leads to more machinery being in the area. They have to build bunks. They have to set up science equipment. They have to have certain types of vehicles. Uh, food, being able to cook, being able to have heat, like all these things, there's more machinery getting moved up there to accommodate them. And that has led to an increase of greenhouse gas emissions directly in the region, right? So not only has this begun to like destroy the habitats of the regional animals, but then as the region gets warmer, the ice caps begin to melt. That causes them to break apart, 
that causes them to go uh, into the ocean and causes the ocean levels to rise, which is already a problem, as we are seeing the coast of many countries uh, already starting to get like eaten away by the ocean, essentially, right? <clears throat> and so, if you think about this, assuming someone makes a move up there, and then as things play out, as I would, as I you know predicted, uh, with the other countries then moving to remove that country, uh, that would only speed up the process, right? Any major conflict in the area would speed up the process. I mean, not just from military machinery being used, but along with missiles being fired, bombs going off, things like that, further breaking up these ice sheets, further destroying the environment and destroying habitats, right? So, all of these things just further not only affect the region, but have a global effect, right? I mean, and not only just sea levels, but those ice caps are in control of the global temperature, right? As that ice breaks away, global temperature increases, further increasing the speeds at which the entire globe those are the consequences of global warming, right? And so the reason why I'm bringing this up, the reason why I want to talk about this is because as of right now, technically this is all hypothetical, right? Everything I'm saying is hypothetical. This could possibly happen, but it's becoming more and more of a real concern. Uh, and this is because Russia has begun to slowly move its navy towards that region. And this is their military navy, not 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 a, not a shipment of scientists, the actual navy, right? So we're talking submarines, we're talking carriers, they're holding, they're doing, not flybys, but you, you, that's the word I'm looking for. Air training, oh my god. <laughs> But they're doing uh, military training and stuff in that region as well, right? So, while they currently do not have any, like, boots on the ground, or I guess on the ice, technically, it's it's slowly becoming this game of chicken, right, to see how other countries react to their presence in the region. So, it's they're slowly encroaching on the Arctic region, slowly doing military exercises closer and closer to the area, just actually seeing how everyone else is going to react to this, right? And, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, all the other countries, they want to remain peaceful, right? Especially in this region. I mean, not necessarily in general, but in this region specifically, they want to stay peaceful. That's mainly for the sake of science, right? With, with, with that kind of like, almost unspoken, oh, I'm pretty sure it is written, that you're not allowed to, like, claim these type of lands. Uh, that's kind of just going with the assumption that everyone else is aligned with the exact same point of view that, that, that you have, right? And it seems that Russia might be taking advantage of that kind of false sense of security, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of unknowns about what will happen next. And, you know, kind of what's in store for that Arctic region. But with the way things are moving, I really, all I can say is like for the sake of the global population, it's safe to say that a conflict in the Arctic 
is the last thing that anyone wants. And yet, it seems to be coming closer and closer each passing day. But if you like this episode, go to the podcast, give it a like, get a follow, and all I can just let me know that you like. Of course, you do like it. Share it with your friends because good friends give friends good things. And you want to be a good friend, so give your friend a good thing. If you want to follow this media, it is at Goblin Hat on the IGs. And as always, 8 a.m. Eastern, same time, same place, every single day. I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. As always, this was kind of like a deep dive episode. So it was like a mini, it's like a shallow dive. Like a, like, like a waiting in the waters. Wait in the water. <laughs> Either way, speaking of waiting in water, stay hella hydrated. And I'll see you tomorrow.